1: All right, but welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. And today's date is, uh, let's see, 11, 20 2023. 20, and that is a nice Monday. I will be on the whole hour today and, uh, then tomorrow also. And after that, uh, off for the rest of the week. So it's, a uh, weekend, you know, the Thanksgiving thing. So just letting you know. So if you've got comments or you have questions, then, uh, now's the time unless you want to wait until next week or tomorrow. But you can call me, 877-207-2276. Excuse me, I had to cough there. And uh, if you want, you can watch the show on rumble.com. Rumble.com. And uh, just go to forward slash Matt Slick Live. If you're a new listener, uh, this is a Christian show where we... Uh, answer questions on biblical theology and some pretty deep topics sometimes. So if you have questions on, let's see, Reformed Theology, Calvinism, Amillennialism, Pre-Trib, post Rapture, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Unity, Baha'i, Islam, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, the Occult, UFOs, uh, Flat Earth, and other stuff, uh, then you can give me a call. I'm one of those weird kind of guys that um, studies a lot of stuff. I just love to study. I love to to have answers for people, and I want to be able to uh, just help you and help you find the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's see, so uh, this weekend I had two interesting conversations. Um, I go on the web, and I do it in different ways on the internet. I have a, a uh, an Oculus that you wear over your, your eyes, and you have your the controllers in your hands, and you go into these virtual worlds. And so I was in there doing Q&A a a few days ago and uh, that was interesting Uh, it's really uh, you know when I go into rooms and uh, answer questions or ask difficult questions I'm telling you uh, it mayhem it's just mayhem now this reminds me of something now last night my wife and I watched a documentary Maya was on one of the shows Uh, this girl she had this problem a physical problem, and um, it took a while for the doctors to figure it out, and she had to be on some ketamine, a really high-strength dosage, in order for her pain to subside, and it was all taken care of, and it was working, and uh, she was fine for a year, you know, on the meds and stuff like that, and then she had a bad episode, and she went to a hospital, the ER to get checked. Long story short, they started accusing the parents of child abuse, things like that, and the mom ended up committing suicide because uh, they wouldn't let her and you know it just it just just snowballed into stuff and uh, I just found out uh, today it was today or yesterday today that the it was settled the lawsuit was settled for 220 million dollars oh well anyway it was really interesting and um, my wife and I were watching it last night and I made a comment I made a comment about deception And every now and then I start thinking about what it means uh, to be deceived and how deception works and the mentality that goes along with it. Now, when I talk about this, I'm not saying, hey, I have everything right all the time. I'm not saying that. But, you know, I started studying cults uh, back in 1980. And I've done uh, so much study and so much uh, talking to people in cults. And so when I talk to Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Atheists, I see common denominators in their attitudes. There is a phenomenon in psychology that I learned years ago called snapping, to snap. And it's a psychological occurrence where you have a conversion experience to something and there can be different reasons for it. You, know, you can have, uh, you can have a, um, a tragedy in your family and the Jehovah's Witnesses can come to your door and they just happen to be there at the right time with a couple of answers to a couple of questions you wanted to know. You start studying with them. You're not sure about them and then after a while you just become convinced. You snap. And once that's done it's very difficult to get someone out of that mindset. Well, it can happen in the cults like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science. It can happen in major religions like Islam and uh, Roman Catholicism. And it can also happen with the police. And it can happen with social workers. And we should call them CAPS, Children Protective Services, as we called them back in Southern California. Um, oh, excuse me, I had a yawn there. And now I want to step sideways one more time and introduce a concept and then come back to this. So sometimes I'll talk about evidence and what evidence is. And I like to say that evidence is not physical, it's mental. And people think I'm crazy. And you know, I say it that way for a reason and then we talk about it. So here's, uh, here's an example of what I mean by that. Let's say there's some physical footprints in the mud outside of a window. Uh, in a house, and the window's broken, and the glass is on the inside, and the house has been ransacked, and the front door is open. So, we would say that the footprints are evidence that the perpetrator entered through that broken window because the footprints are right next to that window, and the broken window's in, you know, broken in. Well, that makes sense. Now, if I said to you that that is evidence uh, that I love my wife, you know, and I and nothing to do with it. This, this crime happened in Florida. I live in Idaho. There's no relationship there. So how is it then that uh, the footprints are evidence for, for the latter? Well, they're not. The point I'm trying to make is that evidence occurs in the mind. There are physical aspects we identify, but whether the physical aspects become evidence depends on the hypothesis that it needs to fit into. If the hypothesis is that I love my wife, that's why there are footprints in the mud outside of a house in Florida that got broken into. You say, "What? It doesn't make any sense, so it's not evidence. But if you say, well, it's evidence that someone broke into the house right there in that window, then it is evidence, but the exact same thing is both evidence and not evidence, depending on the circumstance. So what I mean by this is that you start perceiving evidence, and something physical or non-physical, it can be argumentative, it can be uh, logical, is supportive of being an evidence, or it is an evidence if it supports a hypothesis or not, or then it doesn't become evidence, or it's not evidence. But the exact same phenomena or fact can have uh, that bearing. Okay. The reason I'm bringing this up is because. If you have a construct in your mind about what evidence is or what a certain hypothesis is, that, uh, let's just say, the uh, mud footprints the house is broken into, the police come there, and there's a caution tape around, let's just say, I don't know, probably wouldn't have caution tape on something like that, but the police are out there, and there's a man standing there. He's got mud on his shoes. And the police are going to look at him, and they're going to say, Why do you have mud on your shoes? Well, it's out jogging. You know, jogging over there, and I saw the commotion. Here I am. And it's roughly the same size shoe mark. So what do they do? They question him. And he says, and let's just say he's really not the guy. He just was jogging someplace. He has mud on his shoes. Well, now he's a suspect because of the condition of the hypothesis and the criteria about him makes sense and fits the hypothesis. Then they ask him. Well, where were you? Well, I was out jogging where along where along the path Well, who was with you? Nobody now he can't back it up now What if the police were to say well in their minds this guy's the guy? Let's say he's that guy. Let's say he's a cut on his hand Well, it's because he's out fishing the day before legitimately or earlier that day Well, now he's got a cut in his hand broken glass So now you see they could form a hypothesis and the criteria fits it and he's not the guilty party Now, I'm not saying, all the police are bad or anything like that. I'm just saying this is the kind of thing we have to be careful about, that when we see something that we don't just assume that it automatically fits the criteria and, therefore, this is the conclusion we ought to have. Now, I've learned this years ago. Just because we see somebody with mud on his feet outside of a house that's been broken into doesn't mean he's the perpetrator. It might mean it. It might not mean it. And so the possibility has to be examined objectively. But what if you're the kind of person who's in charge and you just, you've had a really bad day, or you've seen so many uh, instances of people breaking in that you just know this guy fits the MO. And so he's got to be the guy. And you look for whatever you can find to prove it doesn't know where he, he can't verify where he was he has the mud and it's the same kind of mud it's the same basic shoe size right there's a cut on his hand well you see this was this is called snapping it can happen to anybody where you start believing something because of a condition in your mind and it's very difficult sometimes to get that Um, undone. Now, you know, thanks to the police, they have forensics, they have DNA, they have all kinds of stuff, you know, and this guy's exonerated, don't worry, in my story, everything's fine, he works out. And they catch the bad guy, All right, there you go, now you're happy. So, in this idea of this, this this documentary I watched last night, there were people, medical staff, who were making certain observations fit a hypothesis and forcing it into the hypothesis when it didn't necessitate that. They then started acting in that manner consistent with it. The mom started rebelling against it and then they started saying, you are guilty because of how you're acting. This is a dangerous thing. This kind of thing happens in cults and in religious systems as well, in, in uh, Roman Catholicism. They can become very, very committed to the idea of praying, worshiping, calling on Mary. So maybe they pray to Mary and they believe that Mary can hear their prayers and then what happens is They pray to Mary for whatever and it occurs There you go. That's proof. But you see it's not proof This is one of the things that drives me crazy with Catholics Mormons Jehovah's Witnesses Eastern Orthodox They draw conclusions that don't necessitate that conclusion based on the evidence but they do it because they have an agenda And so I've been thinking about this recently, and in my mind, it's a form of radicalization. People can self-radicalize, or you can be radicalized externally. You can have a cult group gradually work on you, and then you snap and you believe the cult group is correct. Joseph Smith is a true prophet, or the Washtar Bible and Tract Society is a prophet of God, or Mohammed was a true prophet, or the Pope is true, and whatever it might be. Or Biden's an incredibly good president. You know, you can have all kinds of false things out there. But when people believe it, largely because they have an inclination to want to. And they have to self-examine. I do this all the time. I'm not saying I got it all down and perfect. I'm not saying that. But it's because of what I do for a living, where I'm constantly looking at evidence and constantly examining and writing. And my opinions have changed over the years as I've looked at things. I'm always open to being corrected. And so deception is an easy thing. But how do you know if you've been deceived? There's two ways, two easy ways. Well, three, actually. One is if the Scripture contradicts you, then you're deceived. Another one would be if the internal worldview that you have contradicts itself, then that can't be true. So that's really important. And the other thing is an external fact. Uh, You know, like, is this an external fact? I could make something up. But something that is a fact that contradicts what you believe that can show that you've been deceived. An internal inconsistency in what you believe can show that you've been deceived. And of course revelation of scripture. Now that kind of follows under the external. But those are the main ways ways to find out if you've been deceived. And people don't want to find out if they've been deceived, and maybe we get back. I'll tell you an example of this. We'd we'll be right back after these messages. We have wide open lines if you want to give me a call. 877 we 76. Be right back.
0: It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. And um, I don't know if anybody's out there listening. It really, I know they are. But I mean, because this kind of talk, I do every now and then. I just kind of like rumble through, ramble through, I should say, and teach some stuff. And people don't call usually it's around the Thanksgiving, Christmas, and stuff like that. And that's fine. So I'm going to continue on a little bit and give you an example of what I was talking about here about self-deception. But if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. And if you want, you can email me. At info at karm.org. Info at karm.org. Info at karm.org. Just put in there in the subject uh, radio question, radio comment. I got a planet go to and talk about stuff. But I'm gonna continue with this. So So I was discussing something with an uh, a a girl, a woman, uh, I think it was last night or night before, I can't remember. And uh she really didn't know what she was, but more of an agnostic. And it was really polite. It was a nice, polite conversation, you know. It was, and um, she was nice, and, and, and we had a, a good conversation. And I've done this so many times with atheists, where we just use basic truth principles. And they reject basic truth principles because right away they can start seeing that they don't fit their worldview. This is what happens. You have a worldview. If you have evidence contrary to your worldview, you want to automatically reject the evidence. And this is foolishness. So. She said, uh, "There's no." She said, "I've not been convinced of any evidence for God." And I said, "Well, okay." And uh, you know, I can tackle that. And she asked me to give her an evidence. And I said, "Well, I don't know what kind of worldview you have within your agnosticism, but uh, let me ask you some questions." And I did. And I asked her. Let me get down to the, the what I was saying. I said, "If you only have two views, like God or not God." That exhausts all possibilities. or my cat painted my house, or it's not the case that my cat painted my house. things like that. And so um, I said it's called the true dichotomy. And what I did was I, it took me ten minutes for her to accept that. Ten minutes to uh, how, how can she you know to her accept it? Ten minutes. And then I started working with the idea that if one of them is disproved, the other one is proved. So I can show you how the atheist view or the agnostic view can't work, then the other one is validated, and she would not accept that. And it is a logical necessity. Okay, And uh, it's called a dis- disjunctive syllogism. And I- anyway, I- I've run across these so many times like this, very, very simple arguments, and uh, th- when they understand the very very basics when they start applying it to their world view the wheels come off the cart you know the wrench breaks their clutch slips okay so um that'll be another one their quantum tunneling fails so anyway it was uh interesting last night to have that discussion with them we got a call coming in so i think i'm just jump over there and grab the call if you want to join in the number is 877 john from Utah, welcome here on the
2: on the air. Well, hello, Matt. Hi. So, what do you got, man? Well, I'm just calling about. Uh, I know several people that at one time they were went to regular Christian churches, and now they're in some like Messianic guild or. They're trying to follow the Torah and keep the Sabbath. And mm-hmm. and what okay. would you say to, to combat them or to talk to them like, well, the, hey, you're missing the mark? Well, the first thing you're going to do is ask them, why
1: are you wanting to keep the Sabbath? What's the reason? And that's the I would ask. If they say they want to keep the Sabbath, just to honor God because they believe personally that they need to do that, and I would ask them, does doing this get you saved or keep you saved? If they say yes, that's a problem. If they say no, well then do what you want. Who cares? You're just doing because you want to do yeah. that. And that's fine. So you got to find well, out what the ultimate reason is that they want to do this, okay?
2: The reason is because they say that's what Jesus taught and we need to follow his okay.
1: Well, that's another issue, because Jesus was under the law, and the law is abrogated at the point of the death of Christ, and that's Hebrews 8, 13, Hebrews 9, 15 through 16. So the word in Latin for covenant is testamentum, Old Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant, New Testament. Yes. And the Old Testament I've, I've era, that so to speak. Okay, so that, that was done with when Christ died. So he's that means he's still operating under the law. So you ha- this is why you got to yeah. ask: What's the reason you want to do this? That's what you got to ask: What's the reason? Do you want to do this in order to be right with God and, and keep yourself saved? And if that's the case, then he needs to hear what the gospel is.
2: All right. I know so uh, ask that. that's that's quite a few people that's doing it like recently. I don't know who they're listening to.
1: Well, if they want to, then, you know, more power to them as long as they're not doing it in order to keep themselves saved and as long as they're not doing it in order to have other people uh, follow. They want, you, know, you need to do this too. There's the problem. I, that
2: would yeah, I, a problem. I tell them different. Same with the Sabbath They I send them to Colossians about one man mm-hmm. uh, honors one day and the other guy. Accepts them all as the same to, to the glory of God. So, yeah, yeah, that's Romans fourteen five. But in
1: Colossians two sixteen, let no man uh, be your judge, yeah your judge over a, a festival, new moon or Sabbath day. And so, the, so yeah. a lot of times, uh, these guys and girls and stuff, you've got to really kind of dig down. What's the reason that you're doing this? What What's going on? Why do you want to do that? Do you want to do it to be saved or not? That's what you got to get to. And yeah. th- the second thing I'll ask, do you believe that you need to tell others how to do it as well? That they need to follow what you're saying? And that's another issue.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. and I've also heard them; those that are doing this, even deny the Trinity. So yeah, the Bible do. don't teach that. And I say, well, you can say it don't teach at It doesn't. Okay specifically say trinity you're right it don't it don't ever one time say that well uh, what i like to do
1: when she, they say that bible doesn't uh, teach trinity is i say can you tell me what the trinity is see if you understand it there's two things what's the trinity and that's what i'll ask them and see if they get it right if they don't i'll help them out and then if they do get it right then i'm going to ask how's it arrived at in scripture because if they say the Trinity is not biblical, then they have to be able to say that the system, the, ma- the, the logical approach to the scriptures that arrives at it, itself is wrong. Not the scriptures, but the approach. And so I say, so what's that approach that's used? And if you don't understand the approach, you can't say it's false. And if you don't know what it is, then how can you even uh, tell me if it is or isn't in the Bible? And that's something else, okay? Okie dokie. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, brother. God bless. You too. All right. Bye. All right. So let's go let's try this again in English. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. We have Max waiting. We have three open lines. So if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Matt Slick live taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six.
1: Here's Matt Slick. i right, Welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Let's get to Max from South Carolina. Max, welcome. You're on the air.
3: Hey, brother. It's really good to talk to you. Um, I'm a definitely a new listener. Um, okay. You're my ride home. I listen to you on my on my way home. I got a long ride home. Um, okay. okay. I I always told my wife I would call you. I had a lot of stuff I'd like to talk to, talk about. Maybe not in this conversation, but uh, over time, maybe. Uh, I, I want. I, I told your screener. I, I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to see what your thoughts were about the rapture. Um, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Um, I'm not a biblical scholar. I just feel like uh, there's a lot of end time prophecy, and it's just scattered to me in, in my mind. Um, it's all over the place. Um, I, maybe you can help me uh, sure. help me out a little bit.
1: Well, I can give you what, uh, what my opinion is, and I can show you stuff in the scripture to try and back it up and show you stuff you may not be yeah, aware sure. of if you're interested. All right. So I'm post trib yeah, sure. rapture. I believe we're gonna go through it. Wow. I, I believe we're gonna go through it. I don't believe in the preacher of rapture. Okay. So let wow. me show you some stuff. How's that? All right. Okay. Yeah, no And problem. the the study of end times is called eschatology. And so what I teach is eschatology. It's gonna get bad. That's what I teach. All right. And so if you go to Matthew twenty four. It says, Jesus came out of the temple and was going away with his disciples, came up to him, and said, and he said to them, Do you see everything here? Not one stone here left upon another, not be torn down. And uh, then they asked him, Well, okay, uh, what will be the, the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They asked him two questions. And he goes on, he says, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, nation will rise up against nation, many will fall away, false prophets, lawlessness will increase, etc. He says, Whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. Now that's we're gonna get to that a little bit. Woe to those who are pregnant in those days. Unless those days be cut short, no flesh would be left, no life would be saved, okay? False Christ, false prophets will arise, and show great signs and wonders to mislead, if possible, even the elect. But if they say to you he's in the wilderness don't go or there don't go for just as the lightning comes from the east and the west so will the coming of the son of man be wherever the corpse is there the vultures will gather and we're going to get to the, a lot of this stuff here then it says but immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky the powers of heavens will be shaken and then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he'll send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they'll gather together as an elect from the four winds. So what we see here is Jesus is saying that the rapture occurs after the tribulation. He says immediately after the tribulation of those days. He says he'll send forth his angels the great trumpet and gather people together.
3: You know, I don't. Music. I don't want to sound naive here, um, but yeah, he doesn't. Does he give us specific instructions on how to live through those times? And does yes. he, or, or if he is, if he does, is he speaking to people that were left behind?
1: Nope, he's not. And there's more to this. There's a. There's much more. Okay, I'm just showing you that yeah, right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I can show you stuff. I guarantee you, I'll get you to think, okay? I've done this many times with people. And uh, so you'll notice what he says there, and then he goes on in the parable of the fig tree, and he goes on and he says in verse 37 of Matthew 24, the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage till the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not understand till the flood came and took them all away. Two men will be in the field. One is taken, one is left. That's the rapture, right?
3: Right? Mm.
1: Is that what you? Is that what you've heard?
3: Yeah. yeah. You um, on another thing, like, what, what does? Uh, hold on. I, oh, I, hold I, on. I, wait, I, wait. Wait.
1: Wait. I, hold on. Hold on. We got to go, go, right. go slowly. But that's not the rapture. And what bothers me a great deal is that pastors all over America read this and they think it's the rapture. Now, the rapture is spoken of but it's not here and the reason this is not it is because of the parallel passage of Luke 17 as it says there just as it was in days of Noah so shall it be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. The ones who were destroyed were the ones being given in marriage and marrying, eating and drinking. That's what Luke says. Luke says that Jesus says that they were they're destroyed. Well, that's who it was. So if you go back to Matthew twenty-four, is those days before the flood? They were eating. They were drinking. That's the wicked, marrying and giving in marriage, so that Noah entered the ark. Ark. They didn't understand. The flood came, took them all away. That's the wicked. Two men will be in the field. One is taken. One is left. The context is the wicked who are taken. I show this to people, and they're just blown away. But wait. Do you more. think? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, Listen to this.
3: Well, I was just going to say. Um, go ahead, go ahead, brother. I'll listen to. You.
1: Okay, you. If you go to Matthew thirteen, Jesus gives a parable about the kingdom of heaven. may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, and you know, you're from, I'm sure you're familiar with that, you know. And and the weeds grow in there. And uh, they said, so "Should we tear him up?" He says, "No." This is Matthew thirteen thirty. Now, this is what's really interesting. Allow both to go together and tell the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I'll say to the reapers, First, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into the barn. The tares are the wicked, and the wheat is the good. And he even tells us, he interprets it later in that chapter. He says, The tares will be gathered and burned with fire. At the end of the age. And that's the critical comment. At the end of the age, the Son of Man will send forth his angels. They'll gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and throw them into the fire. And this happens at the end of the age. Now the question is, what does that mean? And then I can show you, but you have questions. Go ahead.
3: Good point. No, 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 no. Good point. What is end of age?
1: Biblically speaking, there's only two ages: this age and the age to come. It's the eschatology of Jesus. Church age, right? No, didn't say that. It's the eschatology of of Paul and of Jesus. And it's I I have been, you know, I've been a Christian since I was seventeen, about fifty years now. I've never once in all the sermons I've ever heard. That's not to say that they're not someone isn't preaching it, but I've never heard it ever preached about this age and the age to come. Not once that I recall. So check this out. Matthew twelve, thirty one through thirty two, blasphemy the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come. That's what Jesus says. And he says in Mark ten thirty and Luke eighteen thirty, in this age we receive a lot, and the age to come, eternal life. In Ephesians one twenty one, Jesus is above all rule and authority in this age and the age to come in this age we receive 100 times as much Mark 10 30 etc people are given in marriage in this age and Jesus rescues us from this present evil age And so people say what's well, the church age that's that's not the terms that the Bible uses about it, they're reading into it right that's not what it says but not
3: also he says in, in the, the Bible age to too. come we
1: have eternal life we don't marry the, And so you've never right. heard this and um, I've never heard anybody preach on it. I was introduced to this concept by Kim Riddlebarger in Southern California 40 years ago or whatever it was. And I've never forgotten it, and I've worked on it you know, off and on for a few years. Well, guess what? When you do a... And I have this written on my website. You do a table, and you compare the issue of this age and age to come. You find out lots of interesting things. And then you ask the question, what happens at the end of this age? And I've got all these references. At the end of the age, the wicked are gathered and the judgment of the wicked occurs and the elect are gathered. The harvest occurs and Jesus return and the rapture. So, and there's so much more I can talk about. Yeah, it's depressing, isn't it?
3: So, what, you know. uh, if- yeah i didn't expect you to say that to be honest um yeah. so th- when you say the end of the age it it sounded like you didn't the church age is no so that doesn't mean I the end of the, the church ch- age. i don't say the when church said, age
1: and the bible doesn't okay, use that terminology yes, right. doesn't hint at it it's a dispensational imposition upon the scripture because they'll say there's the basic dispensationalism that's a problem because they have different views right. And I don't know if you are familiar with dispensationalism. Right. And I can, trust me, I can, I can mess you up. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it in a, I'm in a, sure you've a, 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 a nice way, but uh, there's lots of problems with it. And it's just so common all over America. Oh. And the fact that people, we're going to break, but the people say, this. Uh, you know, two men in the field, one is taken, one is left as a rapture. And it clearly is not. It just tells me they're not studying, they're just reciting. Hey, hold on, man. we got a break. We'll be right back wow. after these messages. Yes, sir. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back, folks. It's Matt
0: Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276.
1: Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air with Max as soon as somebody on the producing side. There we go. All right. Max, you're on the air, buddy.
3: Hey, brother. Uh um, To go along with everything you said, I have a lot of questions. I I won't be able to get to all of them, I'm sure. But um, God talks about a lot, or at least several times in the Bible, about you will escape wrath. Escape might not be the right word. Um, How would you, what does he mean?
1: Yes. um, And so, I'll find the verse. It's in Second Thessalonians, okay, or First Thessalonians five nine. It's a very common verse that's used uh, to show that we're not going to go through the tribulation because the tribulation is God's wrath. And they'll go to First Thessalonians five nine, for God is not destined to us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll say, "See, that refutes the idea of going through the tribulation." And um, I say, "Well, if you look at the verse, uh, you'll notice something." You'll notice the juxtaposition. That God has not destined us for wrath, but for salvation. It's not this, but that. Salvation, of course, means not being damned, not going to hell. So, what's the wrath then? Is it not going through tribulation? Or is it damnation? Is that what's going on? The wrath of God upon the damned? Or being saved because what we're saved from is the wrath of God. And who we're saved from, you could easily say, is God himself. He's the righteous judge. So you, see wow, that you just
3: opened my eyes a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's a, a flow of this kind of juxtaposition that occurs in Scripture. You can go to Isaiah 40, oh man, 45, 6, I think it is. Oh, 45, 7, I think it is. Yes. This is what it says there the one forming light and creating darkness. Okay, they're opposites, right? Causing well-being and creating calamity. So in the Jewish mindset, the idea of of opposites is just, you know, it's right there in Scripture. So, God has not appointed us for wrath, but salvation. So when... Mm. And I have to take this opportunity to complain, because I've heard so many pastors... Preachers just misapply this verse along with the verses in Matthew 24 and Luke 17. And it's like, guys, you know, why are you saying the same thing when it's clearly not the rapture? And the rapture is described in 1 Thessalonians 4 16 through chapter 5, verse 2. And if you want it, go there and show you something and mess you up even more. If you can handle it, if not, that's okay. No, No problem. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, a um, there's a lot here. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. I'm actually gonna have to go back and watch this on YouTube and uh, go back and, and reference some of the things you said. Um, sure. Uh, and re, you know, and look in the Bible. Could I ask yeah. you one more one more question? Of course. Um, I felt this tug on me to call you live. Okay. And I'm I'm not big on this but um I, I hope that maybe people are listening and, and maybe they'll resonate a little bit. But what what do you say to people about salvation and people with salvation that struggle with with things in their life? And maybe that's idols. Um alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, etc mm-hmm. What what do you say to those people to either comfort them or tell them, Whoa, <laughs> you know, um what do you think? What do you, where's your what do you think?
1: Like give a generic kind of a thing. So my wife and I lost a son and he was born with a, a fatal We have defect.
3: Two. Yes. Okay.
1: Then you know, my sympathy goes out to you, and it's hell. That's that's just it. It's just hell. It is. It is. And, I'm, I, you know, I'm, we could talk. And so I have a friend now, Luke Wayne, and people know him because he's done the radio here for me a few times. And his daughter has a, a medical uh, serious issue, and the stress on him and the family is very difficult. And he you know, say, Give it to me, not my one year old daughter. I know people, and we know people, who have problems with addiction. They have a, a marriage partner who is abandoning them, committing adultery. They're trying to do what's right and evil is coming upon them. And even when evil's not coming upon them, it's just bad this, bad that. Bad things happen. Why? Well, we live in a fallen world. That's one thing. We could talk about all of that because of that. That's the effect of sin in the world. But what do we do? well what we do is we have to decide to trust God beyond our ability to understand so people are different and you know when I remember our son Jacob and he was going to die most probably they said we had to trust him through it knowing the pain my wife has a very serious medical problem very very serious she's in a lot of pain a lot of time she is and she trusts God through it. And I know people who are going through things and what they decide to do is trust God through it because faith is only as good as who you put it in. And if your faith is in Christ then it's not going to be in your circumstance. It doesn't mean you won't complain or suffer but it does mean you need to trust Him as a decision and there's a reason for this. It's easy to praise God when the bank account is full Gas tank's full, house paid off, everything's going great. Oh, praise God, you're so good. And then we get in a car accident, like I was in a car accident once. It took two years to fully recover. You know, should I praise God for the pain and the suffering? You know, the hospital bills? Should I praise God? Or when my son, our son, passed away, we praise God? During those times, you know, in particular the latter, when I started maturing in my faith, my wife and I would offer a praise to God because of who he is saying He was indep- this is independent of the circumstance God you're always worthy to be praised we faithed I call it faithing we decided to have faith and trust God beyond our ability to understand and we lost our son and yet through it he was there and we go through different things and sometimes addictions grab us and we can't break them and we're trying. You gotta understand two things. The cross is always there. God will never abandon you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. He will never do that. He's always going to be there. You can always go to the cross. It's not okay to sin, but you always have to go to the cross when you sin. You've always got to go there. He will never reject you. He will always love you. And the other thing is that even in your failures, that you are glorifying God when you're continually going to the cross because you're judging your, your own sin and you're confessing it turning from it and though you may fall again and you do this again as a cycle over and over and over each time you do that you are depending on God and that glorifies Him and we need to see those things even in the trials and tribulations that there are difficulties that come to us but we need to acknowledge God and praise God in spite of what our circumstances are because sometimes God does this to us or allows us to to happen to us I should say in order to perfect our faith so a few years ago I had a five-year drought five years of drought I didn't feel the presence of God and it was like going into a desert fully prepared for a long march By the time I was out of that desert, I was stripped clean of everything except the very essentials. And in that five years, the very essential was one thing for me. Do I really believe that Christ, God in flesh, died on the cross, rose from the dead? Yes, I do. And that was the one purifying thing, the one powerful thing that I needed that all the circumstances, all the problems, all the dryness and everything brought me to. And there's been a peace ever since. We have to go through things. And sometimes God lets us go through them to teach us, to strip us, and to allow us in our ourselves to be humble and come to him. And so for those who are stuck in sins and stuck in predicaments, choose this time to praise your Lord and your Savior Jesus Christ and trust him through it. Even when it gets bad, you continue to praise him. You will be so good so, excuse me you'll be so glad that you did when it, you've gone through it you'll be so exceedingly glad and the peace and the approval of God upon you for that is something you will experience and you'll never ever
3: ever give up how good it is okay mother you're uh, uh at least for me uh a little bit of peace is kind of hard to come by and uh you've given me that just a little bit through our conversation so i'm a little struggling with the rapture still but
1: uh <laughs> oh you I wait i think i'm you gonna always to with that <laughs>
3: you,
1: you wait you keep listening to me i'll mess you up even more by accident you call up every now and then and say man you're really messing me up I go, yep people tell me that all the i time.
3: will i will call you again brother i will call you again um i hope you remember me um i don't know you i love you and uh god bless brother
1: well god bless you too man god bless (laughs) all right right. well that was norm from north uh, charlotte north carolina Who's next longest waiting is dave from utah dave welcome you're on the air what do you got
2: buddy Uh, yeah matt i was wondering what the name of that documentary was that you referenced earlier in the show uh, let me look. It was
1: um, Watch Take Care of Maya. We I mean, watched it on Netflix. Normally it wouldn't be on Netflix, but Watch Take Care of Maya, M-A-Y-A. Okay. In fact, I actually right, know. Oh, that's all out. Okay. I know a guy who this kind of thing happened to him. I know another guy I've lost contact with him. It happened to him, too, which just false accusations. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. No child okay. abuse or anything like that, but just Watch, accusations. Take care of Maya, or yeah, just take care of Maya. That was it. It was enjoyable. Take care it was of Maya. An hour and forty-four okay. minutes. Yeah, and I just watched a follow-up on it, um, and uh, you know, I watched it anyway. So they, they won the lawsuit, anyway. Okay. Uh great.
2: All right. Thank you so much.
1: alright, You're welcome. So much. Well, God bless. All right. Uh, like oh Norman oh from Charlotte man I want to talk to you, what happens to the yeah. Christians after the wicked are taken? You want to come back tomorrow we can yeah. talk about it, because we're almost out uh, of time. I don't
3: know if I can do it. I can try.
1: <laughs> okay, well let me give you a quick answer. I believe that when when Christ returns is when the the Christians are taken, and that's also when the new heavens and new earth are made. So we go be with Jesus. That's what I believe. The short version. Okay.
3: So. so All right. So wait a minute. So the wicked are taken and I guess thrown into the abyss, I guess, I think is what you said.
1: That's Um, That's one theory, yeah.
3: Well, but then, so is the earth going to continue? And he's setting up Uh, a kingdom? I
1: I believe, nope. I believe that when he returns and the rapture occurs, the new heavens and new earth are going to be made right then and there. And call me tomorrow and I'll give you the scriptures for it. Maybe no, I'm no, wrong, I mean, I I, but no, no, we gotta go. There's a break. I'm not
3: disagreeing. I'm trying to understand the view. I'm not disagreeing. I'm, Everything happens. The, we
1: gotta go. There's the, there's the music. Everything happens all, at the return time, of Christ. Huh? Okay. Every yeah, at the same at the return of Christ, the rapture, the judgment of the wicked, new heavens, new earth. Okay. Hey, We've gotta go. Okay. Yeah, Everybody, hopefully we'll talk about it tomorrow. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll see you.
2: Another program powered by the Truth Network.